0: and our children's children, what it once was like in America when men were free.
1: Welcome back to our number two of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Well, the theme today is surprising Second Amendment support, and our list of guests has included a a filmmaker. You know, a lot of times filmmakers are are really liberal-leaning, we're finding, more and more as we move forward uh, towards a a very dramatic uh, election, right? A lot of the Hollywood people are very liberal-leaning. Uh, We've had someone in the LGBTQ community, a lot of times they can be very liberal-leaning. We've had somebody just on who has disabilities, you know? We don't even think about them as being involved in their Second Amendment rights, people that have disabilities. And now we're bringing on a historian, right? Right. I don't know if people really understand that historians, the ones that I've met at least, are so passionate about their Second Amendment rights because they understand where they've come from. They understand what our founding fathers had in mind when they wrote our Constitution, and the things that they were trying to protect against. And so our next guest is a historian, uh, Tom Stickswall. He's a state coordinator and instructor for in Arkansas for Project Appleseed. He also hosts his own podcast that I just love the name of, Armed Squirrels Project, right? He's nuts. <laughs> well, his humorous slogan is protect your nuts. So I kind of love that. So then in his spare time... Right? In air quotes, he's a member of the Sheriff's Department Search and Rescue Team. Busy guy. Tom, thank you for taking the time to be on the show
2: with us. I'm glad to be here. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, I don't know if you would call yourself a historian, but I do because of what Project Appleseed is. And so I'd love for you to, to tell our listeners all about that, that program.
2: Well, you know, there was a point, especially back in the high school days, that I didn't realize how important history was and with what little I learned in school. Project Appleseed drew me to, to engage the history and to learn it a lot more. So um, I, I went to an, an Appleseed event for the shooting aspect of it and the history drew me in and kept me there.
1: You know, I think what you just said about yourself is most of our story in high school. I happen to have an amazing history teacher, just one though, (laughs) you know, the rest of them, it just was like, wah, 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 you know, I just couldn't connect all the dates to something that meant anything to me. And, and now I feel like I've really missed out on so much, um, as an adult trying to put those, uh, fill in those blanks for myself. And, uh, so then when I see that there is this, this project out there, this project Appleseed, that is engaging because you're teaching people marksmanship which is how to shoot well shoot properly shoot safely and you're tying it together with our constitutional rights now that's going to stick in people's minds and help them also pass it along to the next generation am i right about that
2: you certainly are and um i I don't want to mislead anyone what what Project Appleseed is is we teach rifle marksmanship and throughout the day when people are on their breaks, we tell them the history of one day in our nation um, We are a complete apolitical group when we're there and have our instructor hats on. We do not talk modern day politics but, uh, Um, Most of our our, your listeners are probably smart enough if they if they listen to the things that went on on on, you know went happened around April 19th 1775 on or about that time um, you could probably compare a lot of it to today. You know, our goal is to reacquaint Americans with you know our unique heritage and history, and specifically that that was born on April 19th 1775 we all think of July 4th, 1776 as our Independence Day. I don't think that way anymore. I think, you know, April 19th, 1775, when we fought against a very oppressive king, um, things turned around for us that day.
1: And that, of course, is shot heard round the world day, right?
2: Most certainly is. And it's also the day that that Paul Revere went and made his famous ride and went out about the countryside not alone and he did not go about yelling the british are coming the british are coming because paul revere was proudly british at the point
1: Hmm. so there's a misconception right there that was worth the the price of admission right there huh
2: <laughs> well you'll you'll learn a lot through the day at an apple Street event that um most most people don't realize um our we, we engage because of some oppressions that were happening at the time. And we engaged against the world's strongest army, a bunch of farmers and shopkeepers and lawyers and doctors. Everybody left their, their lives to go and, and fight for what we knew we had to fight for. It was, um, And when I look back and read stories of, of these founding fathers, they were way beyond their time. They, they laid some, later laid something in place that that was meant to be time you know it didn't have a time period it didn't have a, an ending date they knew that down the road these things may be challenged and they 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 really fought valiantly for that so
1: Wow now I know one of the things that uh, you teach in your marksmanship, um, teaching, (laughs) instruction, is precision bench rest shooting. So do you also, you do standing, you do prone, you do a lot of different positions, or is it just the precision bench rest shooting?
2: Actually, it's not precision bench rest shooting. A lot of people come thinking that that's what they're going to get. We can all shoot very well with with some sandbags or a bipod. What we do is we teach positional shooting using a sling in standing, kneeling, sitting, and prone shooting, and we teach this at at di- very distances or using simulated targets that represent very different distances. Um, we are not precision shooters. We are for what we consider four MOA uh, shooters, four minute of angle. We can. A rifleman should easily be able to shoot a twenty by twenty target at four to five hundred meters.
1: And that's what you that's what you teach. And you're saying with the precision bench rest. Well, that's almost like a, a gimme. That's like cheating.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I could I could go and uh, go go to my range tomorrow and lay my rifle across the sandbags and I can put holes and holes. It's a different story when you're when you're shooting uh, from different positions without the aid of a bench rest. And most people ask us, well, why wouldn't you want this? Well, I'm a hunter. So if, I, if I'm walking through the woods, head, heading to my stand, and I see this massive buck step out in front of me, I now know how to how to real quick sling up and support my rifle and, and get a good shot off that I wouldn't have been able to do before before learning the t- tips and
3: tricks that we teach. Tom, you don't take your bench with you when you go hunting? <laughs>
2: It's not a, it's not always there you know we, uh, I had a this, this past weekend we had a, a pretty good sized event I had a, my youngest guy was an 11 year old my oldest was an 88 year old. Wow um, this is not a kids program it's not a, it's not an adults program this is for everyone we had we only had one woman on the line Gerald. this but uh, in general usually we have 20 30 percent women on the line and they they usually do pretty well.
1: That's awesome. Well, how do people learn more about Project Appleseed and, and get involved? Uh,
2: the way to get involved is uh, the easiest way is to go to uh, www.appleseedinfo.org. There's there's a interactive map over on the right-hand side, a map of the U.S. Look at the at your state or the states surrounding you and find an event and attend it at an event you can learn that it, you don't have to become a rifleman at the first event to to teach we or to to you know help promote project Appleseed. we have a lot of people that come and shoot a rifleman score and never want to want to help you know further the program and we have some people that are struggling to get that rifleman score that that want to um, help in other ways so we we have people that help with check-ins we have I have a guy that I talked to last night that signed up to help instruct my next one. He shot a rifleman's score at both of his first two events, and now he's chosen that he wants to step up and help promote this thing.
1: That is fantastic. And so you're a volunteer force, aren't you?
2: We most certainly are. I had somebody the other day ask me, uh, it was just yesterday, as a matter of fact, ask me what I get paid. And this is a regular answer so people that that know me will know this but I, I just looked him in the eyes and i said i get paid in smiles i get paid and knowing that i'm helping spread liberty exactly. i'm helping spread marksmanship this is something that was lost long ago
1: wow that's that's awesome and you know we start and end every one of our shows with a, a quote by ronald reagan that says that our freedoms are one generation away from extinction and, sir, I thank you for doing your part to make sure that that isn't going to happen in this next generation. So thank you so much for being on the show with us, uh, Tom Stickswall. And be sure and check out his Arm Squirrels Project podcast as well. Thank you, Tom.
2: Thank you very much.
1: All right. Well, stick around because coming up after this message, we have Tim Miller. Now, Tim is taking security seriously into our churches. Our churches need security. And Tim's going to talk to us about that. Go figure. Stick around.
4: When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt,
3: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate and inform sponsored by AZ Firearms today.
1: Today and every day.
3: Yes. <laughs> today we have uh, Tom uh, Tim Miller. He's the president of Lion Heart International talking about the need for security and preparedness in churches and other buildings that do not traditionally hire professional security personnel.
1: Well Tim, are you with us? Hello? Tim? Hi, Cheryl. Hey, there you are. are Uh, Thank you so much for being here. Dan and I are are both on the line here, and uh, we are so excited to talk to you. But I got to say, the the topic is is sadly surprising to me that uh, we need to think about professional security in our nation's churches. What is going on?
5: Well, Cheryl, it's it's kind of an interesting phenomenon that the very um, places that offered us, you know, refuge and solace 20 years ago are, are now actually targets, and uh, it, it's unfortunate. It it really does say a lot about where our society's going, as well as the world threats. Um, but the the church the threat to churches is very real. We have. Um, We've actually, uh, you know, we have a team of guys, and we've actually been consulting with churches, and uh, just, you know, not a lot of numbers, but when you you think of this fact—so grab a hold of this—since 2000, there have been 1,281 deadly force incidents on church property. That means that either someone was hurt or severely killed. In those incidents, there were 650 people killed on church property. So sadly— it, the, the the need for church security is very, very real based on what's going on. And you're, and you're
3: talking t- about churches, right, Tim?
5: <laughs> I, I am talking about churches. And, I wish I wasn't. And
1: in the United States, within within our borders.
5: That's correct. Within the borders of the United States. Now, uh, if you want to see really staggering figures, look at the figures for, for the numbers of Christians being slaughtered. In the Middle East and around the world, it's staggering. Um, it, it is a specific target of churches and Christians, and, uh, and and to include Jewish
3: synagogues as well. So why not just the no gun sign in the front of the door? <laughs>
5: Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah. I'm sure that every every uh, bad guy in the world would uh, would uh, uh, you know ap- absolutely comply with that. No, no, you know I mean the logic is, is simple. You know I I have spent my life training folks for for crisis situations, and uh, um, it, it the only formula for winning a gunfight is to have a good man with a gun to win that or woman with a gun to win that gunfight. Unfortunately, you know our our, our folks, uh, and our citizens need to. To really understand the urgency of learning to defend themselves,
3: are and the pastors
5: the churches as
3: well? Excuse me, are the pastors uh, uh, along with this, or are most of them along with it, or are a lot of them disapprove of this method?
5: Well, you know, Dan, that's a great question, and and I'll tell you, I consult with a lot of churches around the country, and it varies. Um, Obviously, most of the pastors that I'm consulting with see a need for it, which is why they contact me. But I I think it's really important for pastors to to recognize that um, they all get it when you say to pastors, well, your job's to protect the flock. They all would agree. I use the analogy if someone was trying to break up a marriage for one of your key leaders, would that anger you? And they all say, absolutely. But it wouldn't anger you if someone tried to kill them. Mm -hmm. And so the concept is that they have a duty to protect the flock. You know, families that walk into our churches across the country every day or every Sunday, they're assuming that it's a safe place to go. And I've said and continue to say, with the way things are going and the direction of violence in our country, my prayer always is that churches are the safest place to go. Because that's the only place people are going to find real solutions for their for their lives.
3: Wow. Right, and if the pastors don't allow some type of protection, then they're going to be victims.
5: Well, unfortunately, that's what the the facts indicate. You know, I'm I'm often um, you know accused by by folks that. Uh, would say to me, hey, well, you don't have, we have faith for that. And I said, yeah, well, the problem is you can have faith, but at least my Bible, when I read my Bible, I see all kinds of stories of Christians being attacked and killed for their faith. Mm. So it, it's it's absolutely important that we recognize that the work of the gospel must go forward. Churches have a lot to do with the direction of how this country goes. And if they're not around because people are afraid to go to them, that's not a good thing for our country, and it certainly is not a good thing for the churches.
1: Well, absolutely. Well, I want to back up a minute. And first, I want to let people know that you are a thirty year law enforcement and military professional. and I want to thank you for your service past, present, and future, uh, because I, I know that this is this is a not just an occupation for you, right?
5: That's right, Cheryl. Thank you. And um, it's it a it, it's a calling. It's a passion. Um, when I was a, a young boy, my dad had been uh, the greatest generation, had been a World War II vet, and had served in uh, World War II in Korea and the beginning of Vietnam and then became a police officer for 20 years. And I remember as a five-year-old boy him, him looking at me and saying, so, son, what are you going to do after you've served your country? And that was the way I was I was challenged as a young boy. He, he often said, <laughs> freedom's not free. I love it. There it, was no it, options it, there. That's, that's right. And so, um, you know, I went into the Marine Corps out of college, uh, spent about six years on active duty. Um, I, I commanded a, an armored unit over in uh, Okinawa. But then I came back and I was a guard company commander and I, I commanded 100 Marines that were protecting nuclear weapons. Mm-hmm. And I learned... Um, you know, it's, it's so cool. Nothing in your life happens by accident. I don't believe it does. I believe there's a purpose for everything, and, and I really didn't understand at the time why I'm, you know, I wanted to, to be a, a um, you know, Marine out doing Marine things, and yet here I am learning in detail security and how to protect uh, special property and special you know, weapons. And little did I know that, that all that was adding up, you know, to, to do what I do today. Um, I left the Marine Corps, went on the police department, spent about four years on, uh, on a police department outside of Washington, D.C. And so I, I just want to shout out to all your police officers um, and thank them for mm-hmm. being the heroes they are. Um, I can't imagine. <clears throat> I, I work with police officers every day, and I'm just I'm blown away by uh, the challenges these guys and their wives and and, and families mm-hmm. and, and husbands. and It is such a terrible time. And, man, I would pray that everybody listening would, would walk up to a police officer and shake his hand, look him in the eye, his or her hand, and say, thank you, I uh, was buying a cup of coffee, and I, I stepped right in front of a police officer, and he kind of looked at me funny, and I said, <laughs> this man can't buy coffee here. It, 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 it's on me. And he had a big smile on his face, and uh, so... Shout out to the cops. And then uh, I left the police department, went on the Secret Service, um, spent um, about six years protecting the president and traveling and doing all those things. And uh, um, like many Secret Service agents, I found myself kind of torn between my marriage and my job and my marriage won because I married my high school sweetheart and I wasn't about to let her walk. So
6: um,
5: I, I, I jumped over to the Department of Homeland Security, worked drug. Stuff and and then, but but the cool part is, I, I spent the last seven years as a director of training, and I went back to the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, and we began to study all of, of the science now that they have uh, regarding uh, they call it human performance or how the mind and body works in a crisis and the importance of training and not just training but how to train. And I got to tell you, at litifier because the light went on, I thought, wow, this is great that law enforcement guys get this, but everybody. Every good person in the country needs this kind of training. So that's kind of what we do. We we train people in, in, in uh, how to survive in active violence situations. I train firearms. I do all kinds of stuff. But one of the big pieces of what we do is helping churches because um, churches are going to be ground zero in the days ahead. They already are. You heard the numbers, but it's going to get worse in the days ahead. So um, I I want to be part of the solution in helping helping everybody, but also helping churches get prepared.
3: Especially like the churches that are announcing that they don't want guns in their church. Those people are, are going to be targets because the people that are causing these crimes are looking for them. Right?
5: Oh, wait, wait, wait. Isn't Chicago the safest city in the country? Because they don't have guns there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the ludicrously of this argument is almost hilarious. I mean, it, 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 it strikes me very, very funny that the answer is, well, let's get rid of, you know, 300 plus million or whatever the number is, guns. That's not the answer. The answer is responsible training, responsible ownership. I think people would be more or, or less likely um, to target people if they if they knew that people were trained and could protect and defend themselves. Now, And I'm not talking about this, you know, this crazy land where everybody is, you know, carrying M4s around, but I am talking about a fundamental right mm-hmm. to protect yourself. And if that tool is an M4, then God bless you. Mm-hmm. Just make sure. The, the one thing that I stress to everybody I talk to, a gun in, in the hands of an untrained person is more of a liability than, a, than an asset. And if you're not willing to pay the price to get good training, then maybe you should reconsider that that decision. Because it really, I, I tell my guys every day, um, firearms training is something that starts mental but goes to actual skill development it, it is a very, very perishable skill that you'll lose very quickly if you're not committed to training.
3: No matter what you do, if you own a gun, you have to have training. There is, that is a responsibility that you have to make. You know, Tom, we're finding that the we had a congressman that we were in a room with and uh, they were doing a debate and he's anti-gun. And I asked him when it was over, I said, what if somebody blocked that door and then another person come through the only other door with the gun and started shooting, wouldn't you want somebody in this building to be armed? And he said, no. And I and, wow. I, and I, I think how where's your logic? I mean, yeah. where's your logic? I, I, I think personally, even if a person did in defending shot somebody by accident, we still have a better chance than a man with a, a gun clearing that building out, right?
5: Well, I would agree. And, and you know, I, I mean, the ludicrousness of that argument is uh, when you think of shootings um, like Sandy Hook and like Virginia Tech and like, 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 um, evil people were killing people, at least in Virginia Tech. I think it was about once every 2.6 seconds or 2.7 seconds. So you can talk all day long about not wanting people to have guns, but it was only when the people with guns came, the police officers, was that whole horrific incident in both cases stopped. And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the answer is not to take away all the guns, but it's to have highly trained people with guns in a position to influence that. Because really fundamentally, if you think about it, guys, it's a good-evil uh, confrontation. That's really what it is.
1: Good versus you know, evil. You're right.
5: That's right. Vladimir Lenin said one man with a gun can control a hundred without one.
1: mm-hmm and history has shown us that his that's words right. are true.
5: That's right. So when when you know, law abiding, good, honest people have a desire to protect themselves, that's a good thing. Now again, I want to say this again. Running out and buying a gun is not the is not the answer. Committing to training and developing skills and operating a firearm safely, that is the right answer. And if you're not willing, if you think that buying a gun is the answer, that's not right. The the answer is committing to protect yourself and your family through training.
1: Absolutely. Well, you're going to stick around through the commercial, and we're going to talk with you a little bit more, right?
5: That sounds great. Thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. Well, we do have much more to dig into with uh, this gentleman who has made an entire life and a ministry out of helping people protect themselves helping churches to protect their parishioners Tim Miller of Lionheart International Services Group and I, I really encourage everybody to just not only stick around but also check out the website it's lhisg.com for Lionheart International Services Group.com stick around much more right after this.
4: The Second Amendment Foundation is the organization that protects our right to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Now they need our help. Go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation today.
0: Dedicated to promoting a better understanding of our constitutional heritage to privately own and possess firearms. Support those who support our Second Amendment rights today. That's saf.org.
1: Thank you for sticking around with Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. And we are talking today with Tim Miller, who is the founder and president of Lionheart International Services Group. Tim is a 30-year law enforcement and military professional. He's been a secret service agent. Uh, He's worked in the Washington field office. He is now the director of security of Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. And if you've just tuned in, you're probably raising your eyebrows out there listening to us. Wait a minute. Did you say church security? And I want to bring Tim back on and, and talk to us about that Um, What things do you do to help churches develop a security team, Tim?
5: Well, Cheryl, when you think of the number of churches that we have across our nation, um, I think 350,000 is a conservative effort. Um, there are all types and, and, and sizes of churches. Uh, obviously, the, the one I serve at is a very large church with multiple campuses, but the majority of churches are smaller churches. That, that you know, When you talk to them about uh, their security, they don't have the resources to go out and hire people or bring in a lot of armed people. So when I'm talking to churches across our country, uh, the first thing that, that is so important to talk about is who's attending their church, because I find more often than not they've got uh, a number of members who either have you know military or law enforcement backgrounds and uh, would love to serve in this capacity. So we start with, with who's there. And then I talk to them about the three basic things that you need for church security, and that's a good-hearted, well-focused uh, team, um, some good training. And then some good technology. I call it the three T's of church security. Because if you have those three, no matter large or small, you're going to have a pretty effective program. You know, it used to be in the old days an example that, you know, technology was just out of everybody's reach. But you can go to Walmart now and you can buy an eight pack of HD level cameras for several hundred dollars. And as you, as you think about the issues facing our churches, they, you know, the, the, the horrible incident in Charleston mm-hmm. was on a Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. and there were only a few people there, so it, the need for every church to have security couldn't be um, clearer in today. So I just encourage uh, churches that I, I talk to or spend time with that you, this, like every other thing that you do, this needs to be a priority. It first needs to be a priority for your pastors and your leadership, and then it needs to be a priority for some funding. And then once it's a priority, and it's, it, it, I always encourage churches to view it in the same light they do other ministries, that ministries are there to support the growth and the dynamic of the church, and church security is the same way. I I bring police officers in that maybe they wouldn't be serving in other ministries, choir or wherever, but they come in and they serve on the security team, and they grow stronger in their faith, they grow stronger in their skills, and pretty soon every church where they have a good, solid security team is is, uh, benefiting from it. Um, We also tie in medical stuff. Um, It's far more likely that you're going to have a medical emergency than a a shooter. So what do you do if one of your dear parishioners, you know, has a heart attack? You got to have a plan for that kind of stuff. You got to think through it. And the one thing I've learned in training is if you're trying to figure it out on the fly, it generally doesn't go well.
3: Tim, are you encouraging, uh, you know, for security teams for the church to be playing closed or out in the open?
5: I, uh, I we it depends on the size of the church Dan we you know obviously at our church we have a very very large church so we have a little of both. I have uniform police officers here I have uniform security folks but I also have a lot of plain clothes guys. And their focus is not just you know sometimes security guys if if you think of uh, the secret service model, not tending to smile, not tending to to be very gracious, uh, well, we flip that model uh we're We're nothing more than 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 folks who have specific skill sets, obviously, but are here to help people you know we we help people find nurseries, and we just kind of do the whole thing so uh at our church, you probably wouldn't know that you've been dealing with a security guy. Um, and that's the way I like it. I, I think security needs to be low-key. Um, there needs to be enough of it there to keep people safe, but it doesn't need to be overburdening. You don't want church to be a place where you walk in and you, you sense, man, this is like a an armed camp. We don't want that. Uh, the opposite side is I need a team of guys that can get it done right. if evil wants to show its head here.
3: Right, and, you know, I'm concerned with that because I know a church that they have guys that, you know, there's some responsibly armed citizens that carry guns in the church. But I'm concerned yeah. about that in a way because just like you have meetings with what you're going to do next week at church, there should be meetings for the security. They sh- they should get together and talk about what if this happened, what if that happened. And I think the church that I'm talking about is missing that part of it. And I'm going to encourage yeah. them. To contact you or contact your web, at least look at your website and find out because everybody needs to be on the same page because although they are responsible, if you have a team of responsible people, then you and work together, you have a more uh, chance to, to take care of a problem.
5: Dan, you're spot on. Um, The greatest fear I had running um, Secret Service Task Force guys and police officers was that we would not have trained together. And therefore, even though they're trained, when you go into a crisis situation, they wouldn't have worked together. And therefore, one of, of my own folks would get hurt by another one. So if it applies to police, imagine how much more it applies to people that haven't had training. And I, per, I agree with you 100%. If security is not a focused effort where folks train together, understand what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to do it, it's very likely not going to go well because people, you know, that, that's some of the science I was talking about. It's amazing what we know about how people will respond in a crisis. And, you know, the science of it is fight, flight, or freeze. And we, we have all kinds of data now and understanding about what people will do in a crisis. And the one kind... Common thing that came out of that was if people don't train together, when their heart rate goes from one gallon to five gallons a minute instantly, when they start pumping all kinds of adrenaline into the system, good things don't happen. It it tends to go real bad. So I would I would agree with you. If you've got a security team and your security team is just a bunch of guys carrying guns, it may be not only not a good thing, it may be a bad thing because as I tell my teams all the time, um, if it happens here. We better be prepared to do what we have to do without hurting that innocent little 10-year-old girl sitting in the, in the row.
3: Right. So if I, if, can't. if I could ask you a question, if, if a church that I know of has people that are responsible but they're not organized and the church wanted to assign one person to train them, can they do that without spending a ton of money? Or, and can they do that through you That one person gets the training and then trains the others. How would you recommend a person do that?
5: Okay, so one of the things we're trying to do for precisely that reason is like we have a at the end of this month we have October 28th and 29th. First Baptist Church Swansboro, North Carolina is hosting one of our church security conferences, and the security conference it's 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 two days and and it's when I say. Top, some of the top folks in the country. I bring in our team, FBI agents, trained SWAT guys, but all who are leading church security programs. And they train that church exactly how to form a team, how to think through security, what to do. And we keep it, believe it or not, it's a two-day conference and we only charge $149. Wow. And the re- and the reason we do that, folks, is because this is a ministry. We I want people to to know how to defend themselves. So I, I, I would suggest to you, you know, it's on our website, there's a LinkedIn page. If, if people are serious about learning how to protect their churches, they need to commit to attending a conference. And, you know, th- there are other resources out there. They need to do something, though, because doing nothing and assuming it's going to go right is not is not the right answer. Especially, I was shocked as I was driving in today to, to learn the FBI, I guess, just released that the murder rate in the United States has gone up 10.8% in 2015. Mm. Wow. Think, think about that.
3: Wow. Well, we they, definitely need to do something. Th-
5: that's right. And the something is, for good people, to assume their role, to, to, to not assume that someone else is going to protect them, but to be, you know, very, very solid folks that get good training and learn how within the scope of the law, that's a big thing. Make sure, you know, you're 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 getting the, the concealed weapons licenses and all the things that are required so that you are a law abiding citizen and, and but but you stand ready to protect yourself. You're not going to wait for someone else to come do it.
3: It makes so much sense because even my wife and I and my daughter, we all carry. And when we yeah. do an event or we go somewhere, we pretty well know what's an, what if we had an, something happen, what the other one's going to do so that we depend on each other.
1: Well, That's and right. if you're going That's to right. gather your choir together or your worship team band together to rehearse, uh, how much more <laughs> important is rehearsal for your security team?
5: That's exactly right. That's a good analogy, too, Cheryl. That's exactly the point. If, if it is a priority in your life, then you're going to find time to, to put time and resources into it. And, and you know, as you all know, I've trained firearms for the last 15 years. I'm big on firearms training. Um, you don't have to go to a range to train firearms. You can you can get in your room. You can do dry fire. You can work on all the required motor mechanic skills to be a great shooter, and then you rehearse that when you go to the range. And that doesn't cost anybody a penny, but it does require a commitment and time. And, and that's my, my message to everybody. Make it a priority because can you imagine after an incident your regret mm. for not having taken this seriously?
1: Absolutely. Well, we're running out of time, but I just want to uh, tell folks again, how do they reach out to you? How do they learn more about this? And the seminar... The two-day conference for a hundred and forty-nine dollars—talk about that some more. I mean, that is a—that's a no-brainer, right there.
5: Yeah, it really is, Cheryl. And, and you know, like I said, we we start with the basics. I I, I teach a, right out of the bat a crisis mindset training that is actually. I'm traveling to to Albuquerque tomorrow to train fifty police officers in this. Uh, because it is it is life-changing to understand how your mind and body is going to react in a in, in a crisis and then we just we go into what is church security uh, I have a one of the, one of the FBI's true experts is going to talk to us about terrorism and what we can look for in the days ahead and how churches should be looking at that and responding then we talk about the the teams and you know you have ushers and greeters and parking lot people and how important it is for them to be on the security team to know what to look for to know what to do. Uh, I bring in a lawyer who talks about the legal piece of all this, why it's so important that churches do it right and and uh, be, because in a sue happy society, it's really important that it's done right. Uh, and then you know we, we literally run through an active violence incident. So we we, we train people what, how to do sanctuary security. We'll run them through it. We'll do breakout sessions for writing a plan for their own church. So they'll leave the conference with a, a rough plan for how to do it in their church. So we just really try to make it as practical as we can. And and I'll tell you, um, I'm a Professional trainer. That's what I do, and uh, I am passionate about this because I've seen churches um, that have come and and taken this training just transform their churches and make them a thousand percent safer than they were before. So I'm, uh, you can probably tell it it, it starts my motor to mm-hmm. uh, to talk about training churches. I, I think we're in for some real hard times.
3: Well, Tim, I really want to thank you. You've started my motor. I, it's just it, it woke me up to this so Thank absolutely you. so uh,
1: do do people always come to you for the training or do you travel around to bring the training uh, to churches I,
5: I, I travel around and bring it um, uh, I did it I, I've done large small and in between level churches I, I typically ask churches to get a group of guys of folks together of churches together two, two reasons I do that number one it's more economical because you know I, I need to have between a, about 150 people. To, to make the travel and all the things that we do with our teams worthwhile. Mm-hmm. But then um, once we—the uh, other reason I do it is because, you know what? Churches need to get to know other churches in the area. What You know, what if somebody came to one church and was stalking it, as we experienced here, and but they didn't have relationship with other churches? So mm-hmm. one of the huge benefits I found is that, you know, folks get to know each other, and then they're like, hey, Fred, I met you at the conference. Do you know about this guy that's going around breaking into churches? Or in one case that we experienced here in South Florida, we had uh, some folks that were specifically testing security within children's ministries. Mm. And that's scary.
1: That is scary. All right. Well, your website is lhisg.com. And we've been talking with Tim Miller of Lionheart International Services Group and uh, I, I just encourage everybody, if, if you're in a—it doesn't even have to be a church. You said you also train police departments. Anybody that's got a, a group setting where you people gather together, I, I think it's just so prudent in the world we live in today to, to reach out and learn more about training. Tim, thank you so much for being with us today.
5: It's such an honor, and thank you for what you guys are doing. It really does matter, and I appreciate you.
1: Thank you, Tim, and and please keep up the good work you're doing. All right, stick around. We still have our Responsibly Armed Citizen Report and Dan's Commentary right after this.
2: Be a part of the Gold Rush and head on down to see my friends at Potty Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at PottyGoldState.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. See so your best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you.
4: Come listen to the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Hear about armed civilians protecting people they love. Were they lucky or were they prepared? Come listen and learn at selfdefensegunstories.com.
1: Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform, we are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And Dan, I, I want to add to engage, educate, and inform, we get to talk to the most amazing and diverse people across our nation. And I I just am blown away sometimes by uh, the people that we get to uh, talk to and to, to bring to our listeners' attention. I mean... Tim Miller with the church security, I knew that he was going to have an interesting segment, but when he said that since the year 2000, okay, we're 16 years in since then, 1,281 deadly force incidents at churches across the United States. I just... Are are criminals wanting the express line to hell? (laughs) Or what? You'd think, right? I mean, I just... And it's just a place that we don't really think about. You know, it's a place that we go to be in uh, is, uh, In Cooper's uh, color code. You know, white is where you're the most relaxed. Yellow is more aware of your surroundings. Orange and then red
3: is like, you know. You're, you don't have you're, to worry about what holster you're going to wear today because you're going to church. Yeah. You don't need to worry. Yeah, we think and we now, can live
1: in right. the white when we're in church, and that's not the case. Well,
3: we know that we can't even be in our homes without a firearm anymore, so why— would make a difference being in church.
1: Right. And, you know, we have a gun shop. And so clearly we have azfirearms.com. So clearly, you know, we think, well, you know, you need training, you need a, a firearm. But there's a lot of self-defense tools uh, that you can have uh, because maybe you do go to a church that has the the sign in the door that has the gun silhouette with the, the red slash through it. And
3: uh, So, Cheryl, what is the best – if you don't carry a gun – even before that, what's the best defense tool that you could think you could possibly have? Now, you know, you're talking to me, so I'm going to say awareness. Exactly right. And that's what that would teach the most. Getting the people together to talk about situations that could happen, make them aware. Mm-hmm. So much, you're so much ahead of the game if you're aware. Mm-hmm. And maybe not have to use a gun because you're aware.
1: Well, and I think that's a great setup for this next segment, which is one of my favorite things that we get to do, where we bring you stories that you're not going to hear on CNN and you're not going to hear it on Fox of responsibly armed citizens uh, stopping crime.
0: Fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way.
1: So on the topic of church right? Because we were just talking with Tim Miller, and he's a a church security expert. So even those of us who grew up in the biggest of cities, we can conjure up a vision in our minds of what a small hometown church looks like. And the home that's occupied by the pastor, what we would call a parsonage, or the rectory, or the manse, depending on which religion you ascribe to, it's the pastor's home. It's provided by the church and the congregation that that he or she serves. It's generally either connected to the church or just a street or two away. These are humble homes, nothing grand and nothing that would invite danger. But danger only needs you to have something that he wants. It doesn't have to be a lot of something. The score doesn't have to be large and the target can be anyone including a pastor and his family, including the pastor's 12-year-old son. Danger has no respect for our profession or how many people count on us. Danger is selfish and will murder the selfless without a second thought. And sometimes we all confuse selfless service, such as is the life of many pastors, as being doe-eyed and helpless as well as selfless. Well, Danger clearly made that mistake when he attacked this young family on a dark evening in Pennsylvania. And Danger wasn't anticipating that this pastor, actually the pastor's wife, would be a responsibly armed citizen.
0: Morning, An armed robber holds up a pastor and his family in the city's Frankfurt section.
7: But it's the would-be thief that actually got quite the surprise when the pastor's wife pulled out her own gun. I would News reporter Jan Carabello is live outside their church in Frankfurt where the pastor is now talking about this frightening encounter. Good morning, Jan. We're Helen Jim. good morning. What a scary night for this pastor and his family. You can see their church behind me here in Frankfurt. That's St. James Church. The entire family actually lives right next door. Police say they came home last night. A man approached them with a rifle, tried to rob them, but the pastor and his wife actually are licensed to carry, so she pulled out her gun and shot in self defense. Take a listen to the moments leading right up to that.
3: He tried to grab my wallet, and, and I turned like I was going to get my wallet, but I was just stalling. And uh, he hit me really hard in the back of the head with the gun, swung it like a baseball bat. And uh, then everything was like lightning for a minute. And then I heard my wife saying, drop the gun, drop the gun. I'm like, she's got her gun. And he, he turned towards her, and uh, I said, shoot him, shoot him. And she shot him.
7: Now, this all happened right around 11 o'clock last night here on the 1000 block of Pratt Street in Frankfurt. The 48 year old pastor, his 38 year old wife, and their 12 year old son had just come home from a concert. As they exited their car and were about to walk inside their home, police say they were approached by that man with the rifle who demanded money. The pastor tells us he actually struggled with that suspect at first, but he didn't want his son to get shot, so he backed off. And that's when his wife took out her gun and shot. So this was a scary situation. Police say the suspect then ran. Ditched his rifle under a parked car and then got away by jumping onto the running boards of a passing SUV. Police say that driver likely had nothing to do with the robbery. Now, police say the suspect was described as wearing orange shorts with a white stripe, so they decided to check out Area Frankfurt Hospital, which is just about a mile away, to see if he showed up there for treatment. And guess what? They found him right outside. So he's under arrest this morning. Meantime, the family is shaken up, but physically okay. Still, this pastor fears this story could have ended differently.
3: It was extremely crazy. Like, um, with when we got our guns, we're like, we got them, but we hope we never have to use them. But if it's there, you know, if it ever comes up, you're, you're like, you want to. If it comes down to my family or him, it's him. I'm sorry, you know, and I don't feel bad about that.
7: Now, this suspect is only described as a 66-year-old man. He's being treated for that gunshot wound to his leg. And in custody this morning, Northeast Detectives is investigating. We're live in Frankfurt. Jan Carabao, CBS3 Eyewitness News. Rahel and Jim, back into you.
3: Normally, I have a comment. This time, just amen.
7: (laughs) I like it. And
1: plus, we've got to get to... Dan's commentary.
2: Show yourself to you already know the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it.
3: I read this story on the way back from the gun, GRPC event that we had, and uh, it, I started the and I was very calm. It was very cool. This happened in Bradford's department store in Virginia. A, a man walked into the department store concealing an AR-15 in his clothes. His coat. Yeah. Walked around the store, looked angry. He pulled the gun out and started shooting people at people. And he wounded eight people. Okay. A lady, a 37-year-old Lisa Harris, got behind him, snuck behind him, and shot and killed him. All good, right? And then I find out that, first of all, it's good that the people didn't get killed. No one got killed except for the, victor, for the ass- assailant. Mm-hmm. But what happened was no one got killed, but she maybe have legal action against her because the store didn't allow handguns. In the store. So uh, so
1: I love the line that they, they said there, Dan. I'm gonna let you read it in a second. So, you know, they they you know give her a, a little bit about you know, well, thank you for your help. We're happy that
3: you helped. However Tonight's tragedy has reinforced our stance on gun violence, and we will continue to lobby for stricter gun control within our great nation. How Ugh. That's just right, right. This is so, your commentary. I know it's so supposed I'm to, be calm. to be calm. And I just, you, just the sheriff, the the chief of police, Matthew Collingsworth, told ABC that 117 people's life were probably saved because of her action. And 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 yet the store is still,
1: you know, stuck on their you know guns are bad, and that's all they can see guns as and that it, uh, there's a controversy now surrounding Harris's decision to violate. Just listen to the, these phrasings, right? There is a controversy surrounding this young woman who is a hero, her decision to violate the department store's no weapons policy. I mean, how do you even, that is such negative language. Instead of just, thank God she was there and was trained and prepared and a responsibly armed citizen, that should be the end of the story, but she might actually face some kind of legal
3: consequences from the store owners. Bradford Department Store, don't make me and James Brown come and talk to you. Hey! So this is where you might
1: think about, if you live in that area, that uh, in Virginia, maybe, maybe you choose another store. If, you're, if you love your Second Amendment rights and you, you kind of like living and surviving. Anyway.
3: Speaking of another store, you know, uh, we are advertised as the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I got some cool little guns. We just got a watch that shoots around, a, a pocket watch. Check it out on our website at azfirearms.com. A pocket watch? That shoots a that's firearm. It's a gun. And a cigarette lighter that is a gun. And a ring that's a five-shot revolver. That's cool.
1: You're like, Double Dan 7. Double double Dan oh seven. I don't know. I am
3: butchered that. <laughs> you
1: really want two of me around, Cheryl? <laughs> no, I don't. But I do want to thank everyone for listening, our tech crew, our guests. Uh, please follow us on all the social media sites, gunfreedomradio.com. Check out our website. And until next time, pray for our nation. Pray for our leaders. All of them. Even the ones you don't like. Ugh. Especially the ones you don't like. Be good to each other. Have a great week and God bless.
0: Our Founding Fathers here in this country brought about the only true revolution that has ever taken place in man's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another set of rulers. But only here did that little band of men so advanced beyond their time that the world has never seen their like since. Evolve the idea that you and I have within ourselves the God-given right and the ability to determine our own destiny. But freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free.